listening to Daily Note, presenting by Almost Sideways. Up in the air, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's the review for Superman 2, The Donner Cut. back to Almost Sideways, a place for movie conversation. And my name is Adam, and the conversation doesn't end after this video is over. It also is on an audio podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Pandora. So make sure you check the show notes down below for our podcast links. This is going to be a very awesome episode for the podcast because I am joined by three Awesome guys who love Superman. This is going to be a DC-related uh, episode today because also on the podcast, you'll see my me ranking all 12 Batman movies because, low-key, I'm a Batman fan, and I'm, I'm surrounded by Superman fans. So this is going to be a fun conversation. Uh, without further ado, let's introduce our guests. Some of them are returning, and we have a, a first-time guest today, too. And that is my. And this is the reason why we're doing this episode is because of him. And this is Chandler Langley. Chandler, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. I just watched what we were supposed to talk about last night, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I could say some of the stuff about my background on Superman. Uh, I love Superman. I think that the guy is uh, one of my favorite characters in the DC comic book universe. I love Superman, the animated series. I think that's a great show to watch. Um, I also love a lot of the other Superman comic books. Uh, I think the Man of Tomorrow is probably one of my favorite comic books to read. Um, and I also really enjoy seeing the Superman films. The Donner versions are always my favorite. Um, the Lester version, I got some positive things to say about that one, even though the Donner cut can be a little bit better. But we'll get into that a little bit later on. But uh, I also really enjoy Henry Cavill as Superman in the new Superman films. And I'm glad that he's trying to make a comeback with some of the other stuff that he is doing or the future projects that he said he's going to be able to do. And hopefully he'll be able to stay within that characterization of Superman. So, uh, but yeah, that's my, uh, that's my take on Superman in general. I can't wait to go ahead and talk about the Donner Cut of Superman. Absolutely. And where can we find you on YouTube and social media? You can find me on Hot Takes for Nerds. Um, it's a YouTube channel where I do mostly about unpopular opinions or hot takes. And uh, I like being interactive with my uh, followers on Instagram a good bit. I've been doing that a lot more often and trying to combine that in YouTube. Um, I also have the show called Good or Bad, which is the concept that you made, uh, Adam, that I actually decided to go ahead and continue longer because it's such a great show. Uh, I actually did one with you about The Last Jedi. I did one with uh, Dermot about Man of Steel. Rudy, I just met you, but if you want to and be a guest on there, you can actually uh, you can be a part of it if you want to, man. Whatever movie I'll you want in. to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> and then uh, our next guest is going to be Mr. Durbin. My very first interview on the, the podcast, Durbin. How are you doing, my friend? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, where can we find you on YouTube and social media? Well, you can find me. My channel is called Durbania. I'm the one and only with that name. So you type that into YouTube. I'll pop right up and do movie reviews and ranking videos. I do this thing called a theological analysis. And one thing you'll constantly find on my channel is a lot of defensive Man of Steel. I'm a huge Superman fan. And so grew up on Christopher Reeve. So ultimately, he is my Superman. He just embodies that character. But I love Henry Cavill. I love Man of Steel on Chandler's channel, Defended Man of Steel. Adam, <laughs> with you, I defended Man of Steel. The first video on my channel was a defense 
of Man of Steel. So I love all things Superman. Superman the Animated Series is absolutely fantastic. I cannot wait for that to drop on HBO mm -hmm. Max and re-binge that whole thing afresh. So, And I just did a gigantic Smallville series on my channel. So I'm excited for another excuse Dang. to hop on here and talk about Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. Awesome. And our next guest, he's been on a couple more times. We've reviewed The Thing. We have reviewed, I mean, we pop over. We reviewed The Thing. We have reviewed uh, what a, uh, the Rocky, Rocky Horror Picture Show. We had it. Yeah. So, and then that is Mr. Rudy, movie <laughs> reviews, San Antonio's official movie critic. How you doing, Rudy? <laughs> Uh, Adam, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, especially on the Superman topic. Um, for those of you who know me, um, I'm a huge Superman fan. Obviously, you can see the picture I got back there, that Superman poster. That is one of my all-time yes. favorite films. I grew up with the Christopher Reeve films. I have a Superman tattoo sleeve that I'm working on. <laughs> my son's middle name is Kal-El. And I, I love it. And I've lost friendships defending Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Smallville is one of the best shows ever to take that continuity from, you know, inspiration from the Donner films into the TV show. I love that. So I've got a ton to say, and I'm just going to stop right there before I ramble for the next 20 minutes. But thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No problem. Well, anyway, this is going to be a fun conversation because, uh, like I said, I never really grew up on Superman Really, I I remember the Christopher Reeve, the first one, and I've I've binged the series before, and it was just like there's something that didn't really catch my eye. But the one I grew up on was the '89 Batman film directed by Tim Burton with Michael Keaton. Great. I mm -hmm. think those are basically something that was just like was on repeat quite a bit, like that Back to the Future, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was kind of like the '90s for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but in my childhood, uh, there's probably other movies you could throw in there too. But I, I remember watching. Batman and Joker dancing to Prince in that film. It's just like a lot of fun, uh, fun <laughs> stuff that happened uh, growing up. I, that's what I really got introduced to super, uh, superhero uh, characters. And I never really had the desire to really go back and watch Superman films per se. I do remember going to see Superman Returns in theater with my good friend because, you know, I was hopping on the Brian Singer because he just did uh, the X-Men movies. And okay. I enjoy Superman Returns. Uh, I haven't said I watched it too much, but... From what I remember of it, I, I kind of enjoyed it, but it was a sequel, unofficial. It's an unofficial sequel to Superman 2. Is that correct, guys? It is the oddest sequel to that Donner series, and I can't figure out where it fits. I think technically it's the new Superman 3, yet they have cell phones. So I, I don't know what to say about that. And I think, I think that it's supposed to be where the Donner Cut version is alive because there are sequences from the Donner Cut that make sense. Yep on how it would transition over to Superman Returns rather than the lesser version. Right, yeah. especially with Lois getting pregnant. There's that scene yes. in Donner so. And, and the fact that her baby she's pregnant with is super powered. So yes, yeah, the, the Donner cut does make more sense out of that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but so well, the reason why we're doing this episode, because on the podcast, guys, I've been doing this thing where I'm trying to fill in my filmography where I, I've, Never seen a film up to this point for this episode, and I've been reviewing it. So today's episode, guys, is going to be Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, first time watch. Yeah, like I said, never seen it, so everybody point and laugh at me. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, anyway, guys, I'm really excited to talk about this movie with you. Um, I believe this movie came out, I think what I was looking for is like 2006, roughly, is when it came out. 
Okay. It's Superman Returns year. It came out that same year. Okay, perfect. And okay, because cool. of that movie, it was able to come out. So thanks to Superman Returns, we were able to get the Richard Donner cut. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. It's, it's kind of like... It kind of the slow progression of superheroes. Obviously, we got like the this, this, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Then we kind of transitioned to the Batman and Spider Man X Men. And because of that kind of like transition periods of growth of superheroes, that's how we got Superman Returns. Now we got this like, extra director's cut of Superman Two. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ch- I guess I'll start with first. Uh, Chandler, when when would do you have any memories watching the Donner cut? And what was like your biggest takeaways after watching it for like the first time? Well, I will be honest, the first time I saw Superman 2 was just the lesser version, not the Donner Cut. The -hmm. Donner Cut, I didn't even know existed because I didn't even know that there were like any frustrations or fuss about Donner and then Marlon Brando behind the scenes about what was going on with that whole situation. I mean, I remember watching the first Superman or Superman 2 when I was young. It was just on television. I don't remember seeing it in theaters because that would be really long ago and I'm not that old. (laughs) Hey. And, <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> but uh the but what i do remember about superman 2 was that i remember liking that one a lot more often because it showed superman at a more personal side and not really seeing him as just the as a person who was going out and saving people because that's what he usually likes to do it's more taking him into a a personal relationship with him and lois lane where lois lane figures out that uh, Clark Kent and Superman are actually the same person. And I like that this movie is trying to dive into more about like Superman as a regular character, not being, uh, uh, not going out and being Superman and just wanting to be a regular human. And I, what I remember as a kid when I watched that version was that it was, it was just nostalgic. I don't really remember watching the whole movie because I remember watching as watching movies as a kid was just watching bits and pieces of it but watching it as adult as a whole it got a lot better because there were more in-depth discussions talking about the romantic side about superman and his relationship with lois lane and all the other superhero action stuff like i love seeing zod and the other two villains uh nine and ursa i thought those two were those three were really fun and um i love that they were just some of the greatest epic villains that don't really need like a huge epic backstory like they have with Man of Steel and all that stuff. They're just villains just to be villains because they're bad guys and it was really fun to watch. So nice. that's my that's my take on it as a kid. And uh, how about how about Durbin? How about what was your kind of like your first memory watching the Donner Cut? Uh, I watched it the year the Donner Cut came out. And you know, being the Superman fan that I am, like I grew up on those movies. Like Superman 3 and 4 like I never liked them, but I still watched them because I just liked those movies. And so I always loved Superman the movie and Superman 2. Like, even the Lester cut, I enjoyed it. And it's such an interesting storyline, right? And just kind of like what Chandler was saying, thinking backing off that, it's interesting because it's when Superman decides to be human and give up his powers that three superpowered Kryptonians arrive on Earth. So talk about, you know, your bad timing. And so it's such an interesting movie where his history comes back to get him. But then you realize they shot these two movies like one movie, even though they had all kinds of issues and reshot a huge chunk of Superman 2 with Lester. It's interesting to note that Superman the movie and Superman 2 were not technically two different movies that in their original attention, it was just part one and part two of the same story. And that that's such an interesting thing because even in the Lester cut, you can sort of see that. Um, and I always remembered as a kid watching the Lester cut and things like uh, when he's in the fortress 
and he's begging his dad for his powers back, and then the green thing lights up, and then it cuts. I'm like, well, that sucks. How did he get his powers back? <laughs> and so, like, as soon as I heard, there was this thing called the Richard Donner cut, that all the stuff that Marlon Brando had filmed for that movie was released. It was released for Superman Returns, and now they were able to use it to put together the Richard Donner cut. My jaw dropped, and it was my number one Christmas list item that Christmas, and I got it for Christmas, and I think I watched it a couple times. So it was just awesome to see just that original vision as close to that original vision as possible. And I loved it. And to this day, it's just, it's one of my favorite things to watch the Lester cut and then watch the Donner cut. Like it's mm -hmm. awesome to make those comparisons. Nice. Uh, same question to Rudy. When do you kind of recall the uh, Donner cut release and what's your take on it? Well, very clearly um, the Superman D DVD, I believe when it came out, the behind the scenes making of uh, documentaries of Superman on that DVD are probably one of the best produced, you know, featurettes uh, of any DVD I've got. It's like a three, four part, you know, series. And they go in depth about the Salkinds and how they were just had this vision, like bringing, you know, something to the screen that, that never been done before. And you go into the relationship and how they treated Richard Donner and how they brought Lester in. I was so I think that's one of the first featurettes where I was learning so much about the behind the scenes, um, you know, actions that took place during the filming and how, you know, Richard Donner was treated. So I was really vested. And I was always thinking like, wow, he shot both of them. And Lester came in and made all these different um, added these scenes, you know, the, the, the scene in France and all these other things. And I was always curious what happened to that. So that was always in the back of my mind. And then when I heard that there were talks about having the Donner cut. I was excited for about a year. I, I could not wait to see it because, again, like uh, Durbin, I've seen one and two. I grew up with them. You know, this this yeah. is like my MCU when I was seven, eight, nine, ten. So that's how much I love. I'm right it. there with you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. So I love them by heart. The audio tracks, everything I knew what to look for. And when it came in, I seen Brando in part two really hit me. Like, oh my god, this is amazing. And uh, Christopher Reeve, again, I've said this all the time. He's one of the best actors to ever have a role of a superhero, in my opinion, ever. And the scene where he's talking to his father saying, you know, I just want to be happy like everybody else in the fortress. That is some of the best acting because he's yeah. not playing Clark Kent. He's not playing Superman. He's playing Kal-El. He's playing three different characters. And I love how he can just pull that off. And I can, I'm getting goosebumps right now because I'm just looking at that conversation between him and Brando and all these other featurettes. So I loved it. I saw it four or five times. I saw it last night just to kind of remind me of what I – what I love, but I I love that, and uh, I to this day it's like one of my favorite Superman films. It made it's aged. It's not you know as popular, and you know the uh, the battle scenes are not maybe as modern as you know today's audiences would like. But for me, it's nostalgic, and I love seeing that true vision. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so awesome to hear you guys like gush about like you know all the memories and like how, what Superman really means to you, like. For whatever reason, it was, that was not something that was in my growing up my my space. Like I kind of mentioned before, well, Batman was yours, right? At that age, yeah. you know, you, you yeah, were perfect age, yeah, because that came out '89. So <laughs> what was that? I said, so you get it because you had the same feelings with Batman, which yeah, I well, yeah. So that, that's a good point. Yeah, I do get it because that's kind of my Batman. Because I came, I was born in '89. That's when the Batman, and I started slowly growing up. So like. Like late after I watched Star Wars when I was like five, I slowly transitioned. It was like Back to the Future, and Back to the Future, and then like Raiders. So it was kind of like like 
late nineties is when I really kind of like just really dive dove into movies as well too. So it's like, and those sort of kind of like things that grew up in my childhood. So that kind of felt, so my experience of the Donner cut is that I knew it existed mm-hmm. and I've watched Superman two. I don't remember too much about it. Like it, it, but I bought this, which is a combo pack of Superman, Superman, oh, wow. the Donner cut and Superman returns nice. from Amazon. And I opened, I bought it. And it was already broken. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, oh. So yeah, DVDs yeah, like that—they well, really they suck. I had the exact same thing happen to me oh. when I bought a Back to the Future DVD at Walmart. Like DVDs yeah. like that—they just suck. Yeah, I was oh. like, man, the little flip part of it. I'm like, well, that's kind of that's a, that's disappointing. But so I got to be super careful, <laughs> careful with it. <laughs> but yeah, what I really liked about the Donner cut though was that you know I, I can't really make comparisons to the other films. I don't remember the lesser cut, but I really liked the scenes with Reeve and Brando. I think that obviously two great actors right. uh, on screen together. I thought there were some really good. Uh, emotional scenes between the two but also this movie made me realize how much i miss gene hackman like like man if he was doing a movie again like he is kind of a fun lex Luthor. and like i said i've told you guys before and this is for uh for people who are listening now we're doing a heroes versus villain tournament and people have like voted i've got votes from people and christopher reeve will make the tournament gene hackman's also making the tournament too it's kind of interesting to see Characters that are from a film that is, are pretty old, and the, they, those characters stand up to the test of time. And I think that is just because the actors who are portraying them are iconic, and they bring some. Like uh, we're talking, like speaking, we're talking about Lex Luthor characters. We have some, we have some really good memories of like Hackman, and um, I, I'm going to say his last name, Mike Rosenbaum from Smallville. Uh, what's his yeah, last well, name? Yeah. He is yeah. the best Lex Luthor, though, in my opinion. Like, I-, I love Gene Hackman. There's always that special place. But as far as live action Lex Luthor's, Michael Rosenbaum, I love you, man. You got it. Yeah, he's the best. I've still yet yeah. to seen Smallville. <laughs> oh, oh dude. It's oh, good. it's, good. it's, good. it's, it's really good. Arrow. It it was so good right before social media, but I loved it. Like I said, I loved. I had. I did look up on IMDb, and I'm trying to figure out the guy's name because it's the guy that played Zod. He is actually Jarrell in Trump. that movie. Is I mean in that show, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he does the voice of Jarrell in the show. Yeah. Yeah. And Alana oh. <laughs> Lang from Superman Three is Martha Kent on Smallville. And then Christopher oh. Reeve is in there. Dean Kane is in there. Linda Carter's in there. I mean, they, they paid homage. They really yeah, I've did. Seen the, I've seen the way that Christopher Reeve was played in a clip from Smallville. That one right there was pretty good. I, I thought that amazing. was actually really honorable. They utilize him so well in that show. Yeah. It, and just to kind of share, like, um, I've my girlfriend hasn't seen Superman, the original one, so she saw one and two with me this weekend in the Donner Cut last night. And again, I've seen the movie a billion times. I forgot how, to add to your point, Adam, how great Gene Hackman was. She was laughing the entire time at how witty and smart-ass Gene Hackman was. And, you know, it's, you know when you watch a movie a million times and then you see it with somebody who's never seen it, and they're reacting like, oh, yeah, I forgot how funny he was. Gene Hackman is underrated, and uh, he did a great job. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing because it's like you miss actors you haven't seen in movies because they just retire. You're like, okay, I'm good. You know, um, like Gene Hackman's one of them. Sean was Connery. Was- I love Gene Hackman and Unforgiven. He's the Actually, man. here's the odd thing for me, because the first time I did watch Superman as a whole, and not just like this by this, like I do as a kid, uh, when I saw Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, I kind of got annoyed by him. And I didn't really like him, because I used to see Lex Luthor as like this intimidating, scary villain. And this guy was kind of just joking around and being... 
I don't know. He wasn't that intimidating to me. But when I saw him last night in the Donner Cut and the Lester version, I actually enjoyed him a lot more often than I did before. So there's like, I, I there's like actually Superman bad. 2, both versions, the Donner Cut and Lester, gets deeper into all the characters. So I agree with you because when I watch Superman the movie, I do like Gene Hackman. I think he's funny. But what I think irritates me is how everywhere he goes, he has to announce he's a criminal mastermind. I'm like, that's stupid. If you're a criminal mastermind, <laughs> yeah. you don't announce that because you don't announce you're a criminal. So that way you can go and, you know, be a criminal. <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, I, I like Superman 2 in both cuts because, like, with Christopher Reeve and Gene Hackman, it's just deeper into their character. So I see exactly what you're saying, Chandler. So I see that 100%. Mm -hmm. Uh, and how does how does Christopher Reeve's version of Batman stand up to like the Henry Cavill oh, character Brandon Roth? Like how 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 did he did all these actors kind of pay homage to Christopher Reeve who have played Superman? Can I go first on that? Go ahead. Okay, I think it's just the the era that the characters were introduced because the seventies the, the world was a completely different place that they were using the comic books at the time. I believe the golden age as the the um, the source material, so it was a, it's played funnier and lighthearted, uh, which is not well in a, in a sense it's like that today. But Chris Reeve went in there; he was a great actor, and I still believe him, Robert Downey Jr., even Hugh Jackman are the best casted people. Even Wesley Snipes, I forgot him, are the best casted people for the roles. But Chris Reeve is the best actor to play that role. He did an amazing job, and it's held up to this day. Now Henry Cavill, I think he did a great job considering the source material entering our modern world. I mean, think about it, we can't even get along with each other nowadays. And if a Messiah God complex came down like like Man of Steel or Superman, how would we treat him? And I think they played to that concept and that narrative brilliantly. I know a lot of people hated it and said he was too destructive and he destroyed Metropolis. I'm like, well, didn't you see Superman too? I mean, if they yeah. had to, <laughs> they would have done the same thing. <laughs> you know, and punched the like one guy through the building. You know, it's the same thing. So, what are you complaining about? Uh, so, it, it's just a modern take uh, again in the world that the character is introduced to. Henry Cavill, I want a man of tomorrow. I want a man of steel too. He's not been given proper uh, credit. The man needs to be recognized as one of the best casted you know actors out there to play roles uh, for this character. He's done great, and um, I applaud him. That's all I gotta say. Chandler, how about you? Uh, when I picture Christopher Reeves as Superman, I think that, yeah, a lot of what Rudy said, I definitely agree with. I think that, well, it is back in its time, there is a lot more jokiness to it. And people actually don't even like the jokes in Superman 2, uh, to be honest. Some people thought that it was like being too silly or they don't really like Lester's comedy. I understand what they're talking about when I watched Superman 3. That one right there was way too silly. But the jokes that were in the Lester version of Superman 2, I didn't mind that much because I just figured it's something that's within the character traits of their characters. And it, it was just nice seeing these people just work off each other and just uh, just being silly a little bit within their time. And I, I just took it in as like, you know, comic book stuff, like I do with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies. I take that as just like silly cheese. And I know that some people don't necessarily get into it that much. And because of that cheese but that's the reason why i enjoy those movies be is because of those cheese and i felt like christopher reese plays it off great like for example uh in the donner cut there's this it's supposed to be a screen test and uh christopher yes. reeves is uh, uh talking with lois lane and she's trying to figure she's figuring out that clark Kent 
and Superman are both the same person. And uh, Clark Kal-El is basically still trying to be like Clark Kent and saying like, Lois, you need to stop with these hallucinations of yours. And then uh, yeah, Lois Lane just carries a blank gun and just points and shoots at him. And then just in an instant of a second, he just transforms himself into Superman. That's how good of an actor he was. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'm going to ask the same question to Durbin, but I'm going to say, how did Tom Welling from Smallville and Brandon Roth also compare to Perfect. Christopher Reeve? Mm. Uh, well, it, it's funny because I'll get Brandon Routh out of the way real fast. I think Brandon, Brandon Routh did a great job, but he didn't yeah. get to play his Superman. And, yeah. and so oh. what I think is he did a great job carrying the torch of Christopher Reeve. So as far as what Christopher Reeve did, how Christopher Reeve played Clark Kent, how he played Superman, I think Brendan Routh did a great job. Now, he's not Christopher Reeve, and therefore there's just a certain dynamic that just wasn't present. And that's not saying he didn't do a bad job. That's just saying Christopher Reeve is Christopher Reeve, and he's unique. But Brendan Routh did an amazing job carrying that torch, I think. It's not my favorite of the Superman movies. But I, I am so glad, even though I didn't like the Arrowverse Crisis on Infinite Earths that much, I'm so glad he got a chance yeah. to play that role again because I, I do like how he plays that. Yeah. Um, Tom Welling is awesome. And what I love about Smallville is I think Smallville is, is the bridge. That portrayal of Superman is the bridge between the Donner version, quirky, funny, whatever, Superman 2, the Henry Cavill. Because Smallville is cheesy and quirky and all that stuff, but it's also dark and gritty. Like you get like season three and season six are very dark seasons and you get to see very dark versions of Clark. But then you see him rise right back up into the light and then he gets pulled back down into some darkness. And you really get to see the humanity because he's not Superman. He's not Kal-El. He's Clark Kent. So we see the development of Clark Kent becoming superman and you know not to blow anything for you chandler but clark kent does become superman <laughs> and when he does become superman it's it's very much a donner version of superman but the journey to him becoming that superman has a lot of elements that even henry cavill and man of steel they picked up and put in the henry cavill movie so it's like smallville to me is a great bridge between our hokey 70s superman to a modern day Superman. It's one of the things that I love about that show. And I think probably what I loved about it is I was a senior in high school and that show began to air. So in a very real way, it was in my formative years, like 18 till 28, you know, 10 year run. That was a long run where that show was a part of my life. And I was stepping into the world as Clark was stepping into the world. So that mm. really spoke to me in a totally uh, different way than even Christopher Reeve. I love Henry Cavill. He is great. And I can only echo what Rudy said. For our time and our era, he played it just right. But what I think takes Christopher Reeve and makes him stand out is something else Rudy said. Christopher Reeve played three characters. He played Clark Kent. And it's not just that he could hide behind glasses and nobody could recognize him. You would never recognize that bumbling, fumbling, nasally yeah. nerd who can't even yeah. open a bottle of soda mm -hmm. without it squirting everywhere. You would never in a million years believe he's Superman. You could be like, you look like Superman, but you would never, ever think that that guy was Superman. Mm -hmm. Then, like you said, Chandler, like that scene where in one second, you know, he straightens right up and his voice changes. He squares his shoulders. He's confident. You see Superman. 
But then when he's talking to Jarrell, he's Kal-El. He is a son trying to reason with his father. Oh. Like Christopher Reeve, <laughs> even yeah. though he played a very specific Superman to a very specific time that really does fit best in that time, there's elements of that character that are so beyond timeless. That's why those movies, even with their quirky, cheesy 70s things, still stand out. It's because there was something incredibly unique about what Christopher Reeve brought to that character. He took it off that page and he defined it in a way that we are still just trying to capture today. That's, that's the thing about that point. I just want to reemphasize your point, Chandler, real quick. That that screen test footage that you're talking about, the, my favorite scene really of all comic books is part one of Superman where uh, Clark Kent goes into uh, Lois's apartment. He's, he's Clark Kent, and then she leaves the room, and he takes off his glasses and just stands up straight. And he's Superman. It's like, oh, my God. He, I, he totally pulls it off, and it's all body posture, how he was walking and carrying himself. And just that one scene where he just does that, I'm like, that, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how that right there was a screen test. That yes, right yeah. there. It's actually even more um, – it, it's what makes that scene in the movie even more awesome. Like they did that the first go round, I think, and because that's what a screen test is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Let's, be, let's kind of throw this out there. Like, uh, other than Batman playing Bruce Wayne, like uh, uh, Christian Bale, he had to play two characters, right? What other character out there is a challenge like to play Superman? Three characters. I don't think there's any other characters out there because let's just say Iron Man. He's Tony Stark in the suit in or out. But yeah. as a challenge from an actor standpoint, I don't think any other comic book role is more challenging than that. Or am I wrong? Yeah, mm. I agree. I agree. Because like you said, like you can't just put on a pair of glasses and think nobody's going to recognize you. Yeah. Like he has to play it different. And even Smallville, like they build towards that. Like in season 10, you actually see Clark Kent in season 10 mourn the Clark Kent that grew up in the farm because he realizes if he wants to be a hero, he's got to make Clark Kent ignorable. And if he's going to have all these powers, his face must be out there so people know they can trust him. And so he's realizing what he's got to do. And he mourns kind of what he has to do to the identity of Clark Kent. Yes. And even though Tom yeah. Welling did an okay job figuring that out, nobody did it like Christopher Reeve. But what it really shows, and, and I love Henry Cavill, but that is something that is missing in his performance. Like, his mm -hmm. Clark Kent is not yeah. super different than his Superman. And that, no. that's, I, and I like Man of Steel because Clark Kent comes at the end of the movie. But that's a weird issue I have in Batman versus Superman. Like, that Clark Kent and the Superman aren't extremely different. Yeah. But Christopher Reeve had that nuance. And, and mm -hmm. that is a challenge with playing Superman. True. I, I think back to what Rudy was saying about the uh, actually I want to touch on Chandler before I forget the cheesy factor. I think that's a uh, it's tough because some characters and uh, also the years film come out, we can be more accepting of cheesy kind of humor in films uh, like the 80, the 89 slash 90s uh, Batman there's some cheesy stuff that happens in those Tim Burton films a little bit, you know, yeah. and especially the Schumacher films. But mm -hmm. go back to like some cheesy stuff with the Superman one and two films. You get the Spider-Man films you mentioned, but also one film that I, I even in my review have said that I was not prepared for the cheese was Wonder Woman, uh, the new one, the, the 80, what, 84? Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. It, was, it was kind of, to me, it was kind of cheesy, but why was I not accepting of 
can't can't Wonder Woman be a little cheesy at times too? That's yeah. for me. I was just like, I don't know. I didn't like it because of that. But then I was like, that's just like a personal thing. I don't think she did a bad job. But yeah, it was a little cheesy. And that's maybe that's what the movie was going for because it was the eighties. That's why I, yeah. I saw it because I know Patty Jenkins said, and even Kevin Feige has said that any movie before they start production, they show the cast Superman the original as a template. Like this is what we want to do. I, I've heard of that. I don't know if that's confirmed or not. But I know Patty Jenkins has said that. And when it was set in 84, I was watching it on Christmas Day, and I was telling my kids, like, oh, they're going for the old Christopher Reeve, like Sam Raimi feel. So I caught it right away. And even yeah. I caught, like, uh, remembrances of uh, Superman 2 when she had to give up her wish it's, it's to be with that one guy and go save the world. You know what I'm saying? Uh, same thing with, uh, with Chris Reeve and Superman 2. He wanted to be with Lois, so he gave up his powers. He gave up something, and he had to give up something he loved to go save the world. So I saw all those like uh, those uh, shards of mirrors. But here's, here's the thing about like a Wonder Woman 1984 that made me feel like the cheese didn't work. I understood that what they were going for was that kind of movie like theme. But the problem was, is that Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman movie, it had some corny stuff in there, but it was trying to be a serious movie. And with Wonder Woman 1984, when it was also trying to be a serious movie, and it had like this Sam Raimi vibe going on, it was just yeah. weird. That's yeah. what yeah. made that movie not work for me, in all honesty. But a movie like the Donner Cut versions of Superman, or say like a corny movie or some corniness that are in the Tim Burton's Batman movie, a little bit more with Batman Returns, honestly. But it made it worked for me with those movies because it was in their own timeline and they were able they were allowed to get away with that because it was their thing with wonder woman they were trying to be a little more serious but had some corniness because they feel like they could be innocent at times and 1984 just went too far yeah i don't want to get too much into the, the that that talk but because we're focusing on superman but go back to <laughs> character that playing two characters two or three characters back to what rudy's point was there's another guy that uh, there's another show it's on right now. We kind of mentioned before we started the boys. There's characters that play multiple versions, uh, not like not Homelander or anything like who is basically Superman, but uh, Starlight that uh, she she goes out in day and she's her, her one self, um, Allison, and on the show, and then also she's back as her superhero self. Yeah. She's similar character. She doesn't do the transformation as as much as like. Christopher Reeve did or anything like that, but there I definitely saw some great comparisons to DC, uh, D, especially DC Comics and superheroes in general. I love that that show is fantastic, and seeing that. Homelander like versus a Superman would be just a, such a fantastic fight. I think because it's totally like just like the the complete opposite, like the jerk version of any Superman character you've ever seen. I, th I think Homelander is like one of the most compelling villains that I've seen in a TV show. And I've saw everybody talk about how awesome the boys were. And I had no idea really what it was. I, I knew it was a superhero related thing. And that opening thing where like basically a train or AK the flash hat, something yeah. happens. I don't want to spoil it, but something happened. I was just like, what the heck am I watching? And my wife and I got on board. So if you haven't seen the boys, check it out. Amazon prime. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, what kind of things? If we're talking about director's cuts, there, there's been such so much talk about director's cuts, and we we've, we've seen a few really great ones. I think Donner Cut actually kind of maybe elevates the material from the original version. We have Blade Runner, the final cut, which is the the far superior version. We have also like films like Margaret and um, some other ones as well. But um, is there any like compare comparatively speaking, what makes the Donner Cut kind of a little bit better in your mind? 
Uh, let's start off with Durbin. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Jarrell. Um, one and, and it's something I touched on just for a second, uh, where in the Lester cut, and it's not that it's horrible, but so you have Clark go through this perilous journey to return to the fortress after finding out his enemy <laughs> taken over the world. And he gets to the fortress and he's begging his father for his powers back. No response. And all of a sudden that green crystal lights up. And like I said, it just cuts. And then a little bit later, Superman shows up in Metropolis. And all you could think is, oh, okay, well, I, I guess that worked. And it kind of sucks because it's like, what was the price paid for that? What was the point? Mm. Why was there ever drama in him giving up his powers if they could be reclaimed that easily? So one of the things that takes the Richard Donner cut and makes it far superior is Jarrell, and it is that scene when Clark makes that perilous journey back to the fortress and the green crystal yep. lights up, and yep. then you have this emotion-filled conversation between Kal-El and Jor-El. And I think what exactly. makes that powerful is how Kal-El can't even look Jor-El in the face, and Jor-El is saying, son, look at me. I even love that. Though it yeah. exhausted it will exhaust everything within me and end our communication. I will give you all that I have. And even though I died for you once when I was small, I mean, you yeah. hear these lines and then you have Christopher Reeve's reactions to these lines. And, you know, Jarrell's not really letting him talk. He's just explaining this is now what has to happen. Yeah. And so when Superman receives his powers back, it cost him something. There was a price mm -hmm. paid for his choice to lay down his powers and to take them back. And it makes it even more emotional when he does battle with Zod in those final things. It's like, he's got to win this. I mean, he's given up everything to do this. And those are those, like that emotion is what takes the Donner cut and I think makes it superior to the Lester cut. Oh, wow. I'm asked the same question to Rudy. And by, by chance, you said your uh, girlfriend hadn't watched the uh, previous, did she watch the original Superman 2 and then the Donner cut as well, Rudy? No, she just saw the Donner cut. She hasn't seen the Lester version yet, but uh, she what was her takes on the Donner cut, and also which what makes the Donner cut a little superior for you? Oh, uh, for uh, for my point, wow. Okay, where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> Is it, well, you know, I'll start with the little things that I love, like the Lester cut. I remember I've seen it a billion times as a kid, right? And I remember my favorite opening sequence in superhero score. I will say this: I will battle anybody in any debate. The Superman theme is the greatest superhero theme ever. Yes. Uh, Which one do you choose, though? Do you choose Man of Steel or do you choose this one? The, the John Williams. Uh, that's the one. I mean, the, the, the Hans Zimmer one, I think it is, for the Man of Steel. That's still great. Are you willing to admit that Man of Steel has a bad score? Are you willing oh. to admit that Man of Steel has a, a bad score? I mean, the Man of Steel flight is on my workout contract. So come on, uh, <laughs> but uh, John Williams is that's the greatest score ever, and I love how in the Donner cut the opening sequence started with like the opening sequence for Superman one. That's one difference. And the two, you know, it says Superman, then two comes in. I love that. Uh, I love how, yeah. as Durbin mentioned, the Brando stuff. Uh, it, it hits me on an emotional level to see the guy talk to his dad. I mean, how often do we really see that in comics? I mean, I'm sure we've seen it in a few a few takes, but that. Two great actors going back and forth in this genre. It's it's beautiful to watch, and I, I get emotional too when he's talking to his dad, uh, especially when he's asked Kalo, asking, "I, I want to be with this woman. You know, I just want to be happy." Yeah. And then later on, he, "Hey, I failed. I've been gone a day, and I failed." You know, it's one of those things. 
I also love the uh, opening sequence where Lois knows he, she kind of catches on that he's Superman. That, that, that was very good and fun. I, I was laughing and smiling during that whole sequence. But lastly, is the uh, relationship and footage between uh, Superman and Margot Kidder and Lois Lane. That 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 moment they have outside the fortress. Um, I I just love how it really hones in on their relationship. And um, that thing, uh, that's what really was my big takeaway. But again, the Brando stuff, the Margot Kidder stuff, it, it, it all rang home to me. Yeah, I, I do love that opening scene where she's like coloring the, the glasses yeah. on the paper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, she, and then she, and she hops <laughs> out, out the window. She hops out the window, and he quickly rushes down there and opens up the thing, and she falls into the uh, the the, fed, the the fruit and vegetables or whatever, and she looks up and she's like, "Oh wow, I, I couldn't, I should have done, couldn't have done that." Yeah, that was, was great. Uh, hey Chandler, what what is what makes the Donner Cut stand out a little bit for you as well, being the better version? It is kind of both what Rudy and Durbin said. Um, it for me, what did tip it over the edge was, of course, like seeing Brando in the Donner Cut because he wasn't in the Lester version. But I think what also makes the Donner Cut more enjoyable to watch is that when you do compare it towards the Lester version, some of the uh, transitions and logic that they have in the Lester version don't necessarily make that much sense. And when you watch the Donner Cut, it makes even more sense because they do reenact some scenes from the Donner cut and then put it in the Lester version, but it makes it feel a little less like, like some of them are kind of being irrational or they're being more idiotic than they are being smart at it. This one right here in the Donner cut, they are doing stupid stuff. Like, you know, Mark Lois Lane just going out the window saying like, yeah, you're Superman, even though she has no freaking clue if he is, <laughs> but it's like, it's more like in, it's kind of like, you know, oh, this is just like an innocent thing. We know that she's not going to die right then and there. Superman's obviously going to save her. But in the other one where Lois Lane was like, oh, I never knew that Superman, when you take off his glasses, he can basically be Superman. But there's there's like more logic and common sense where she can like draw it, even though he has the glasses on in the Donner Cut. And yeah. it's not just that, but there's also like, I remember this one scene that distracted me. And it was when uh, Superman just transferred his powers and decided to become uh immoral and now he was driving all the way him and lois were driving all the way over towards this restaurant to go and get a bite to eat during the transition it was they're at the north pole and there's snow when they're driving down there's like snow but in the lesser version it's like sunny and daylight so it's shots like that it just don't make sense <laughs> so i feel yeah. like that between those two versions there's uh there's more common sense on how to transition from one scene to another and also other moments where they feel like they're being innocent rather than being uh, bumbling idiots. Yeah. I do got to say in both versions, there is one thing that drives me nuts. It drives me up a wall in both versions. When Superman gives up his powers, he just killed himself and Lois. I mean, I know we cut to somehow they went to, I guess, the basement of the fortress and rented a car from Jarrell and drove yeah. on the non-existent roads when they just flew up to the North Pole. But I always wonder, how did you get out of the fortress and live? Where did you find the car rental place? And yeah. how are you driving down a road right now? Because we saw how perilous it was for him to return to the fortress. How in the world did you get you and Lois out of the fortress? <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's true. If I can also add, you know, as much as I love the Donner Cut, it does create a billion loopholes. Like, uh, if they don't really show what happens to Gene Hackman, you have to find it in the de deleted scenes, like 
you know, they have that score off at the end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then he destroys the fortress. I'm like, what happened to Gene Hackman? Did he kill him? I was always wondering that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in the deleted scenes, it's the corniest thing ever. The U.S. Arctic police go to the fortress <laughs> and arrest Gene Hackman and take him to jail. <laughs> it's hey, hey, I, there's actually something else to notify in that deleted scene. Uh, apparently, um, Superman didn't kill Zod because you see Zod, Ursa, and Nan uh, over there getting over towards the police at first, and then you would see Gene Hackman coming out of the Fortress of Solitude. No way! So I, I guess, yeah, I never yeah, noticed I that. that. that scene. Oh my god! Huh. Yeah. Hey, that's awesome. So, yeah, apparently, you know. so, so apparently, Durbin, if people go ahead and say to us, well, Superman kills Zod in Superman 2, so why can't he do that in Man of Steel? Apparently, we don't have an excuse anymore. <laughs> oh, no, no, we oh, still God. do. Because even in Superman 2, okay, let's let's go best case scenario. He didn't kill Zod. He still stripped Zod of his powers. He still broke every bone in his hand when Zod was helpless. And he still hurled Zod into a solid wall, maybe breaking some ribs or his spine or something. And he left him in that hole. He didn't go sit there and help him out to the Arctic police. So yeah. in Man of Steel, he even mourned. He had to kill his enemy and he fell to his knees and mourned the deed that he had to do. Yep. Yep. As much as I don't care for Man of Steel, Durbin, I defend that scene. I will defend that scene. Awesome. <laughs> That's and awesome. That's not canon, so it's a deleted scene, so it doesn't count. There yeah. you go. Right. There yeah. we go. Not <laughs> canon. <laughs> okay. One one question I want to bring up. Probably one of the greatest Supermen to ever live. I'm just. It's Nicolas Cage. It's Nicolas Cage. No, from Superman Lives. Um, question for you guys. We always do this for our deep dive. The guys on the podcast always do this for our deep dives. Who would Nicolas Cage play in this film? Whoa. Who would Nicolas Cage play? I'd love to see him as a Lex Luthor. I think yeah. he'd be um, an amazing Lex Luthor. <laughs> Probably Otis. <laughs> I could just like all the lines that are given towards Otis. I would. Be really curious to see how Nicholas was Ca Nicholas Cage would play as that role. <laughs> it could be one of the biggest Nicholas Cage performances ever. <laughs> you know, if I could redo Superman three, and instead of that stupid computer, be the villain it was meant to be, which is Brainiac. Brainiac give yeah. me Nicholas Cage as that Brainiac in this verse. That'd be good. Yeah. You know, I will say this for Superman three: as much flack as it gets, I, it is ahead of its time with computer hacking. What other movie in that era or before? Yeah. Had the concept of computer hacking. No yeah. one, no movie. That's what. That's the answer. <laughs> oh, Winter Soldier. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three. I mean, uh, anyway, I think I'm just throwing it out there. Computer hacking. <laughs> the thing back then. Have you guys seen uh, the documentary that John Snepp did a while back called "What Hap Whatever Happened to Superman Lives?" Or that? No, I've heard about this, but I've, I've never seen it. Uh, they actually show like Nicolas Cage in the Superman. They have interviews with like Tim Burton and stuff and Kevin Smith, who was actually one of the original writers and stuff like that too. Very interesting documentary. And I would have loved to see that, but apparently he would have like Superman would have fought like a giant spider at the end of that movie. Yeah. And they moved back to wild, wild West when that movie did not happen. Yeah. yeah. If I can add, I was in high school in back then there was hardly internet, but you had wizard comics. And I yeah. remember I would read those every day. And when I heard Nick Cage was casted as uh, Superman, they were actually going to have Sandra Bullock be Lois Lane because she was right off speed and, you know, Demolition Man. And they were going to cast uh, Chris Rock as Jimmy Olsen. 
I'm not fucking, I'm not lying. That that was in the wow. <laughs> and that was what they wanted. And when I was looking at the concept art, like Superman was gonna have blades, I was all for Tim Burton being the director. But when I saw the concept art, I'm like, what are they doing? I mean, we just got off the the death of Superman and the reign of the Superman. I thought they were gonna use that storyline, and they were going with this weird. I'm glad it didn't happen. I was excited. I would have yeah. taken any Superman film because at that time we hadn't had one since a quest for peace. And that was yeah. horrible. So I yeah. wanted a Superman film seeing with all the treatments they did with Batman and Blade and Spawn. I wanted a Superman film and I'm glad I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, even though that movie would fail miserably and completely, I would still be curious to see what that movie was. Because yeah. it's just all of the things that are inside of it, like Nicolas Cage, Sandra Bullock, Chris Rock, what you yeah. said. I mean, that's that's insane. I definitely yeah. want to see that. And written by Kevin Smith. Yeah, and yeah. Kevin Smith's stories about his experiences, like putting that movie together, are pretty hysterical. So yeah. there is that weird, morbid curiosity. Like if somebody would take that and just do an animated movie, so it could just be total else world, and we could just sort of see what this treatment was, I'd be down. I'd be down, but yeah, I, I have a hard time picturing Nick Cage as Superman. Like, I just can't yeah. see it. Well, yeah, I've been like, especially like a hairdresser guy who was like, really hadn't done any movies, was the one who took over the, the writing and like the production of that movie, too. It's just like, it's so weird. Uh, but Nicolas Cage did play Superman, though, and Teen Titans go to the movies. So he did reprise oh, his role. <laughs> Superman, <laughs> and he—he's a big Superman fan. He named his son Kal-el. Yeah, and there's a scene in Valley Girl when he's running out of the from the ocean on the beach. He shaved his chest hair like the Superman uh, diamond, and uh, he did it because he just wanted to show it off. And so, yeah, he's been a big Superman fan. <laughs> ah, I love. And he was—he would have been coming off his Oscar win relatively after the movie was in production when he was doing a screen test too for Leaving Las Vegas, which is a fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, before we close out, guys, any final takes and thoughts on Superman the Donner Cut and why people should be watching it? We'll start off with Chandler. Um, I think you should watch it because it's interesting to see one person's version compared to another person's version. Like, we're getting the Snyder Cut now, and I personally believe that the Snyder Cut is going to be a lot more interesting than the Donner Cut. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Donner Cut. And I think that it really does show like the, but the real difference here is that Marlon Brenda was not in it and some logical uh, missteps that happened in here. The Snyder cut sounds like it's going to be a whole different movie compared to the original yes. theatrical cut of justice league. And that's one of the exciting things about the Donner cut. If you're not necessarily a fan of Superman, still watch it. If you are still like a movie fan, because it's so interesting to see two different versions and what they were going for and how all of this happened behind the scenes. Mm, good, good points. Yeah. Uh, Rudy, how about yourself? Well, uh, how can I phrase this? I think the uh, Donner cut really is the precursor of fans. And if fans demand something, uh, we can get it. And um because prior to that, I don't think of any other film that was driven mainly by uh, fans wanting to see a cut. And now we have, you know, the Justice League cut coming up. I hope one day to see the true David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad, because I love David Ayer as, uh, as a director. Uh, I would love to see that. But also, um, this is just my wish. Like, when, whenever superhero movies are made, uh, we've all heard the horror stories where exec uh, producers go in and change things up. They had a solid plan. Visionary directors, story writers, everyone's greenlit it, and then they change it based off whims. 
I mean, look at uh, Justice League. Hey, you, we need to make the DC universe more fun. You know, let's let's make some jokes and all this bullshit. And look how horrible it came out. Yep. So I, I just wish uh, studios that they green light a script and they have a visionary director. Let them make the vision. I mean, look at what happened to Donner. I mean, if Donner had all the time he needed to make those two films, we could have had an epic, you know, two, three films with Margot Kidder and Chris Reeve with the uh, patience and the um, the respect to the material that he had. So I hope it's kind of a testimonial to let studios say, hey, you know what? They're not going to do this, but just let these visionary uh, filmmakers make their make their stories and we'll leave them alone. We'll stay away from all this, uh, you know, knee jerk reaction suggestions. Yeah. And Durbin, wrap it up. Yeah, I, I, I'd say, especially if you're a Superman fan, you, you should watch the Richard Donner cut. I, I was watching a, one of the behind the scene featurettes of the R Richard Donner cut last night. And one of the things that you don't think about often is, yeah, you hear about all this set drama and all that stuff, but. A lot of the guys who were working on the Richard Donner cut, re-editing it, finding the footage, reorganizing it, they said when they would bring this stuff up to Richard Donner and he'd take a look at it, he had an emotional reaction. Like, they didn't really go into details of what that was, but you can tell that 30 years later, there was something still raw about this. So when yeah. a director, when a writer, when an artist is, is invested in something, and, and mm. you have Richard Donner who had so much respect for Superman, so much respect for the material and had so much passion for what he's doing, what they did and how they brought in Lester hurt him on so many levels. And how exciting is it that 30 years later, he got to bring his vision back. Now think about how relevant that is right now. Like what all of us have just said, Justice League, the Snyder Cut is not gonna even be the same movie mm -hmm. as uh, you know, the cut, the theatrical cut. And it's bad because like, I don't wanna bash Joss Whedon for what he did for Justice League and I don't wanna it's just because, you know, he's a director trying to be an artist and he was brought into a totally weird, pressurized, unfortunate situation. And it just came out horrible. And so it's like you want to look at this and you got to think, what did that director intend? How much were they invested into it? And even uh, Richard Donner says in that documentary, he goes, could you imagine if we did this? Like we could have had a whole different yeah. solid set of Christopher Reeve movies. And my heart kind of just broke with that right there. So what I say is support the director's vision and check out what Richard Donner poured his heart and soul into, remembering that even though Superman 2 ends, the Richard Donner cut ends the same way as Superman the movie, know that there was a totally different plan in place, and they took this movie and put it as close to that plan as possible. Mm -hmm. Do you mind if I ask like just one, one more question to you guys? Um, it's about the ending to both the lesser version and the Donner cut. Which one do you prefer, like the the ending to Lester or the ending to Donner? Because it isn't about like the like which one do you prefer, like the world turning around or like the memory wipe kiss? Because both of them, I will admit, are ridiculous. When I watched the featurette scenes, <laughs> they preferred that Clark Kent doesn't kiss Lois Lane. They yeah. preferred Superman to kiss Lois Lane at the end, and that's an interesting uh, thing to talk about. What 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 do you guys think about that? Do you agree with them or not? I'll go first. Um, I the, the kiss I never really got. I mean, as a kid, it made sense to me, but growing up, I'm like, that's not even his powers. What the hell's going on? So they just, yeah. I think they just couldn't figure out a way to make her forget. So they, hey, magic kiss, <laughs> you know, last yeah. sparkly music or something. So I really don't like that ending. I like the world turning around, uh, him turning back time. I wish because I read in the uh, documentaries and all the featurettes that Superman one was supposed to end on a cliffhanger. Where that cliffhanger was taking place, I don't know. But I would prefer that him turning the world back in time. So, yeah, mm. 
I, I, I think I prefer the world turning back in time, too. I think the memory wipe kiss is just weird because, like, something that even bothers me in both versions of Superman 2 is when you have Zod having telekinesis and stuff. Because it's like, what yeah. the crap is that? Where did that come from? And so, but it's almost more believable, right? Okay, they're getting their powers from the Yellow Suns. Maybe there's something Clark hasn't tapped into. But the memory wipe kiss is just weird. It, yeah. It's like, what? No, there's nothing to indicate that a Kryptonian can mess with a human's mind like that in this particular series. So I didn't like that at all. But I don't know how Superman the movie was going to end. No idea. But I really wish we got the original plan. Because I would like to have seen that cliffhanger ending that would have added the power and substance to the world going backwards in the Richard Donner cut. I agree. Those are all questions I need to go back and rewatch now because uh, to give you my full opinion because I don't remember I, I I would probably prefer listening to you guys as the world turning back to be honest because the kiss it would make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, which uh, anyway, you said about different cuts. I'm gonna hashtag release the Alien Three cut for David Fincher. So give him his vision of Alien Three without the studio meddling with that all that drama with them. So we want Newt and and Hicks back. So yes. Yeah. Anyway, also uh, the Event Horizon cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's true. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's our thoughts and takes on Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. Thank you guys so much for watching. Rudy's Durbin's and Chandler's YouTube channels will be in the show notes down below. So make sure you check out, subscribe to their channels because they have fantastic content as well. And uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much for watching. Until next time, we will see you later.